Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Our previous episode considered a number of socially constructed sexual imperatives or expectations and limitations that were cited in Dr. Emily Nagoski's new book, Come Together. That book also described another topic that I find both important and fascinating, that is, the transcendent potential of human connection. In this episode, I'll explore that concept and relate it to my own experiences. The Two Open Doors perspective on sex has always positioned sex as more than simple human activity. Many episodes in this podcast have dwelt on the multidimensional nature of sex, noting that it can involve mind, emotions, and even spirit, in addition to one's physical body. Some episodes have also described circumstances in which a sexual experience can take one beyond the realm of usual human experiences and into a mental, emotional, and physical space in which partners merge in a way that focuses on their connection and de-emphasizes their individuality. Sex can be a doorway to unusual and deeply meaningful human experiences. I believe that sex has the potential to induce altered states of consciousness, in which one can become aware of deep connections with a partner and with the world that are drowned out by the din of our usual state of existence. I'm thinking specifically about some of the states of being that are described in tantric experiences, or in other approaches to intimate connection that play to the spiritual aspect of human connection. As I usually do, I'd like to note that spiritual is different from religious, with spiritual referring to a person's broad connections with reality outside themselves, while religious refers to adherence to a particular set of beliefs and practices regarding a particular worldview. One of Dr. Nagoski's perspectives that I strongly share is the importance of living a life that is erotic. To both her and myself, this descriptor erotic refers to far more than that which is explicitly sexual. Like her, I see eroticism as the collective many ways in which we experience the flow of life force, the many ways in which we can experience being alive in the world. Life force can be felt in all aspects of our being. It's a holistic influence. Thus, for example, sensuality, or our numerous sensory experiences, is one facet of eroticism and of the flow of life force. That can include experiences such as the enjoyment of music, or of the gift of massage, or the appreciation of a beautiful sunset. Such experiences have both a physical and an emotional component, and they can also be spiritual. The world of thought, or cognition, can also produce erotic experiences. Wonder at the complexity of a flower, or delight at understanding how and why things happen, are examples of cognitive eroticism. Of course, the delights and revelations that come from sexual experiences are also erotic. The notion of a life force, or energy, is different from our usual physics-based conception of a force or energy. It isn't measurable or quantifiable, but I believe that many people understand that concept and are at least intuitively aware of it. As someone who leads a rational but emotionally aware life, I find the notions of life force and psychic energy challenging. However, my personal experiences lead me to credit their reality in the human psyche if not in physical reality. Which of those two is true doesn't matter much to me. The important thing to me is that I see life force and energy playing a real and important role in many people's lives. 
Perhaps the current state of our sciences hasn't yet advanced sufficiently to encompass these elusive concepts. That would be consistent with the way in which science evolves as knowledge expands. Alternatively, perhaps what we perceive as life force is simply a manifestation or side effect of how we humans perceive and interact with the world. Again, for me, the important thing is that either of those realities can influence how we connect with others and with the world. Dr. Nagoski's Come Together book includes an interesting perspective taken from Richard Schwartz's book, No Bad Parts. Dr. Schwartz is a therapist and researcher who has developed a model of the mind as consisting of multiple sub-minds or components, a family system. In that book, Dr. Schwartz sees a person's individual self as being embedded in a matrix or field of other minds. He calls that the field of self, in all caps. This is analogous to the quantum physics view of particles as being localized ripples or excitations of an underlying energy field, which is like a fabric that can sustain waves. In such a model, an individual mind doesn't exist separate from other minds. Rather, all minds overlap and interact with one another, like waves crossing a pond. While I'm not aware of compelling evidence for minds as collection of subminds, or for the existence of a physical field of self, I do think that Schwartz's model accurately reflects much of the nature of human existence. I don't see individuals as isolated, and in fact I believe that we evolved to be in constant interaction with one another. We humans have a disproportionately large amount of cortical area devoted to social cognition. That supports collaborative abilities that give humans a significant survival advantage in a competitive world. The many adverse effects of social isolation attest to our extensive social coupling. I see the interactions between waves of selves in Schwartz's model as being embodied in the many subtle and very powerful ways in which people attune to one another and then react, resulting in an incessant dance of interpersonal coupling. Attunement plays a central role in intimate interactions. Tuning in to a partner is what allows us to perceive them accurately and fully. To do that, we have to become truly present for them and for ourselves. Then, as we interact, we can become aware of many nuances, such as subtle shifts in body posture, or pupil dilation, or fleeting facial expressions. All of those, and more, convey information. What we learn about a partner through our attunement allows us to relax our guardedness and increase our trust in that person, assuming, of course, the right person and circumstances. Since trust and the resulting feelings of safety and acceptance are foundational to creating a human connection, attunement is a gateway that enables deep connection. Attunement is also the key to the sorts of interpersonal synchronization that mark a deep connection. It's well known that partners who engage in deep and sustained eye-gazing tend to synchronize their breathing at heart rate as they become still and open to each other. In Schwartz's model, this might be visualized as constructive interference in which the waves of two interacting partners overlap in such a way that they build on each other and take on the same wavelength. Such waves become much more intense and more persistent. Dr. Nagoski's book notes the importance of what she calls savoring or deriving enjoyment from one's erotic experiences. Attunement is a key component of savoring, bringing pleasurable experiences into focus. That, in conjunction with an open and receptive attitude toward those experiences, allows a person to fully enjoy the pleasure that those experiences offer. As Dr. Nagoski observes, well-savored experiences tend to be more memorable. 
Remembering the experiences that bring us pleasure builds up one's personal stock of meaningful experiences, making life richer. There's yet another valuable nugget that's included in Dr. Nagoski's book, and that is the notion of erotic wisdom. In brief, that term describes a life in which a person's goals and decisions are determined by what they and their partners determine is real for them. That's an alternative to a life that's guided by others' views on what's right and worthwhile in life and how to pursue those goals. Of course, being self-determined requires deep self-knowledge, and acquiring such knowledge can entail effort, self-honesty, open-mindedness, and a certain amount of personal humility. Not everyone values or is willing to invest in those traits. Still, the potential payoff in self-determination can be great. That can promote a life that is more meaningful and which is less prone to going off in wrong directions that don't really suit or satisfy a person. For that reason, I've highlighted the foundational importance of self-knowledge in many prior to Open Doors episodes. I put a lot of stock in aspiring to lead a life guided by erotic wisdom. There's a lot more to be said about giving the erotic a prominent and honored place in one's life. In our next episode, we'll explore how one can open oneself to participating in mountaintop experiences in the course of enjoying one's intimate connections. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion, and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. <laughs>